Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Well, hello, everybody. It is I, your favorite individual in the world, Mr. Eric. With me, as always, is Matt. In case some of you are wondering, first-time listeners and maybe some of you from our other podcast know us a little bit, we're starting up a secondary podcast. And we're hoping that this one's going to kind of give everybody a, hey, quick-fire guide to what the heck's going on in the gaming world for those of you who don't have time to get onto the old interwebs and do it yourself or don't care to, whatever the reasons may be. We're hoping that this particular podcast will solve that problem for you. Right, Matt? That's right. Every week we're going to grab up five news stories or games or, you know, general gaming topics to talk about, kind of give you a breakdown of what's going on in the industry, what's what's new, what's out there. Then we'll grab the top five things that are on the shelves right now that you need to know about. And then speaking of that... Top five releases. Number five this week, a game called For Honor. It's a kind of a melee hack-and-slash fighting game from Ubisoft, playing as knights, samurai, and vikings in a medieval fantasy setting, so check that out. Number four this week, Halo Wars 2 from 343 Industries, the sequel to Halo Wars, the pretty popular real-time strategy game back on Xbox 360 and PC. Blammo! Jumping into number three, you're looking at Horizon Zero Dawn. Came out February 28th, game made by Gorilla. For those of you who don't know, they also did Kill Zones. This game's fantastic. Get your hands on it. Jumping into number two, you've got Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. This game was released as a launcher for the Switch, but it's also backwards compatible on the Wii U. It was released March 3rd. This game is a huge open world game, breaking a little bit away from the old style Zelda. Make sure to take a peek, everyone. And last but not least, the Nintendo Switch itself, released March 3rd. The supply is limited. If you want your uh, Switch, you hopefully you've already gotten it. Otherwise, you're going to be waiting a little bit. Stay tuned for a little bit more on that one. So yeah, that's the top five releases for this week. Rolling on to the topics we've got. Number five. So the number five topic today is Horizon Zero Dawn. Man, I've got my hands on this game, and it is drop-dead gorgeous. This game was made by the guys who did Killzone. That's Gorilla. It was released February 28th. In this game, you are running around in a post-apocalyptic world as the character Aloy. She's a little tribes girl, grew up with uh, her old man, you know, to survive the wilds. Obviously, the wilds being these giant robot creatures. So, as you can imagine... This whole thing happens, something you don't know, it's a mystery to us all, and your whole purpose in life is to go out, figure out what's the deal with these robots, what's going on, what happened to the people before you, da-da-da-da, open world madness. So if there's anything you want to get to in this game, you can either A, do it by foot, they've got fast travels, they've got these mounts you can get on top of and take off across the land. There's side quests galore, just like in your old games like Fallout, The Witcher. If you played any of those, you're going to love this game. But beyond those, it takes a little bit from everywhere. A little bit of Zelda, a little bit of Fallout, a little bit of Far Cry. All of these into one, this is what you're going to get with Horizon Zero Dawn. 
I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned it being, you know, kind of like Fallout and Witcher because you were telling me about the side quests you get, the levels you get, all kinds of skill trees you can go down. And as someone who didn't follow this game all that much up until the release, it just looked like one of those character action games, like a spectacle fighter, like, you know, Devil May Cry or something. So I was definitely surprised to hear about all those, you know, RPG type features in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm honestly with you in that, and the only reason I knew is obviously I did a little reading before the game came out and found out that it had been inspired by a lot of those RPGs I just mentioned. So nice. for those of you out here who are thinking right now that The Witcher, you know, like, oh man, that's too deep. It was too much for me. They streamlined the quest in this game to where you do one quest, it finishes up, and that quest is done, and you can walk away from that area. So for those of you who feel like you get mired down in these quest after quest after quest, and then you get intimidated and walk away, give this game a shot. Because I'll tell you right now, it's super smooth and enjoyable. Oh, you just, you're going to love it. That sounds good to me, because like I've told you a million times, I am that guy. I'll play you know, a quarter of the way through Fallout 3 or Skyrim. And, you know, every time I go to a new town and there's 40 quests, I'm like, oh, geez. Now, I don't even remember what the story was because I'm trying to clean this town up, blah, blah, blah. So a streamlined system sounds really good. So to match up with the awesome vistas you're going to be privy to in this game, the soundtrack offers all sorts of dynamic, orchestrated beats to accompany them. So you get a grand scale wherever you go in this game. And that just heightens the experience, making it, once again, as I said, a fantastic game. So you got graphical power unmatched. Now, definitely giving Uncharted 4 a run for its money. You've got great music. You've got outstanding RPG elements. And lastly, the, the fighting system in this game is extremely streamlined. Your, uh, your primary weapons are going to be your trusty bow. You've got a, a spear slash sword type weapon you've got a couple side weapons one of them being like a slingshot for little grenades and another being a tripwire so this opens up the door to all sorts of interactions with enemies ways to fight and speaking of ways to fight obviously when you level up you're going to go into a uh, a tri-leveling system it's got foraging it's got your assassin and then it's got your standard warrior stuff so Tied with those weapons, these skills tie in, you know, however you want to play. Do you want to sneak around using tripwires and coming up on your enemies and using your strikes with your spear? Or do you want to go for a ranged approach and stick there with your bow, adding, you know, elemental damage to it, uh, advanced critical shots, stuff like that. And lastly, in the foraging branch, you've got all your uh, your HP boosts. you got your increased inventory space slots. you got all those kind of things. So in a nutshell, that is Horizon. I'm not going to speak on, you know, the story very far because obviously I want you to go play and check it out. Number four. Number four this week, a game that's very near and dear to my heart is Night in the Woods from Infinite Fall. This came out in North America on February 21st and in Europe on the 28th. This is a game I kickstarted three years ago. I've I've seen this game grow from you know, just concepts to an actual game. So like I said, I'm, I'm really close to this one. I think this is a really awesome game. Now, in this game, you basically are playing a college dropout who is coming back to her, you know, small town. I think it's like a failed coal mining town. And you kind of are trying to hook back up with all your friends from high school. 
and seeing just, you know, how, how everything's turned out for them, what they're all up to. It's definitely a more narrative-focused game than gameplay-focused. You're mostly going through your town, talking to, you know, people on the street, your friends, your family, kind of finding out what's happened since you've been away, and as the player, finding out about what happened and how things were before you left. Because, you know, you, you find out all kinds of different things about your main character, about her friends and family, kind of what their motivations are and how they're growing and, you know, the the difficulties they're running into. This game kind of runs the gamut of, you know, kind of emotional beats because there's a lot of really fun, goofy stuff. Like when you're hanging out with your buddies from high school and they're like, hey, remember the time we did this crazy thing? And they go and do that crazy thing again. But then there's sometimes where, you know, after that, it's like, hey, you know, that was fun. And, you know, we don't have fun like that anymore because I'm worried about this or there's this issue that's coming up. It's re- It really hits home in a lot of places for me. So, yeah, I think no matter where you are on the kind of the spectrum, you know, for an older person like me, it's kind of as, as you're reaching those those ages where things have to be more serious and kind of the fun of the youth is going away, it kind of hits that kind of tone too. But there's also all kinds of zany humor in this. So, I mean, you'll be laughing your head off through certain portions of this and then things will get pretty heavy. And I'll be like, oh, man, you know, I, I either have gone through that, am going through it, or, you know, can see that happening later in my life. So what you're telling me, Matt, is you're a cat man going to a, a little town with other animal people, having a blast, pretending like you're humans. You got good stuff and bad stuff happening, just like in real life. So a real-life simulator? That's what this is? I mean, in, in a certain way, you're putting it really simply. But, yeah, I think I saw an article that compared it to kind of like Gone Home, okay. where, you know, you're coming home and you're finding out what happened mm-hmm. while you were away and how everybody's grown up. So yeah, it's it's definitely it's strange because, you know, they are cute animals and the graphics are, you know, pretty cute, but it doesn't like bank on that. It doesn't make it like cheesy or anything. And like I said, it deals with some really serious themes. So it's it's kind of weird that way, but it just, you know, it creates this whole, you know, world of its own and Soon you don't start thinking, oh, here, this is a little fox dude I'm going to go hang out with. Here's the alligator girl. It's just, that's Greg, and that's B, and you know all these different things about them, you know, their life, their struggle, all that kind of stuff. So definitely is a deeper game than you would think from how it looks. So basically, if you give this game a shot, you're going to come to find out that the story is rich. Oh, yeah. You get invested in the characters, and you kind of just open up the old book and check out their lives as you play through. And speaking of checking it out, two things. They released two uh, supplemental games from earlier, you know, this was a Kickstarter game, so during development, they released two uh, little kind of supplemental games, one called Lost Constellation and one called Longest Night. I think these may still be uh, pay-what-you-want on their website, and these are nice little, I would say maybe half-hour to 45-minute chunks that kind of show you what you're going to be getting into in this game. So if you don't want to pay full price for the game and you just want to check out some segments of it, I would definitely re- recommend checking those out just because it, it'll it'll give you the feel that you're looking for. You're, you're going to understand what this game is when you play those two. And also, if you just want to see someone playing through little bits of the game, I've streamed some chunks up on twitch.tv slash therealdocfunky, so you can go check them out there too. Number three. And number three today, everybody, is going to be The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. This game, published and developed by Nintendo, of course. It's been released 
as of March 3rd for the Nintendo Switch, which is Nintendo's brand new console, also released on March 3rd, and the Wii U, Nintendo's previous console. So, The Legend of Zelda, it's the 19th Zelda in the series, which is, holy frickin' moly, that's a long, long, long journey we've been on. It's one of those legendary series, dude. So the main story in this particular Zelda is you are, as always, Link. And in this one, you wake from a hundred-year slumber, and you have no memory of how the heck you ended up in this particular situation. So you open the doors, and voila, you are just immersed 100% into the land of Hyrule, and you can do whatever you want. This game does not hold your hand. It does not tell you, you have to go over here, you have to go over there. In fact, it encourages you to just explore. If you see a cool little tower in the distance, go to the tower in the distance. Who knows what might be there? Uh, you can expect familiar characters like Zelda, duh, <laughs> to return. Uh, you're going to find out very early on that Ganon is in the game. That's not a spoiler. This is how this game goes. It's Ganon. Whoa, hey, watch hey, out. Hey, I know, D- Don't right? be telling me that like Bowser's going to be in the new Mario game or anything either, dude. Come on, jeez. Now, switching things up. Yeah, did it. Switching things up. Not bad. The Nintendo Switch. Yes. I'm just copying a million other people who've already done it. (laughs) I won't take credit for that. I just thought it was fun. Awesome. Everyone's used to having the boomerang, the bombs, the hookshot. And while I know that the bombs return in some form, they're taking liberties with the normal formula and giving you some different weapons in this go-around to play with and explore, such as a magnet-type device which allows you to manipulate uh, any kind of metal items like treasure chests, obviously, giant metal slabs, anything like that. So you got that. I know you get a glider in this game. It opens up different ways to get where you want to be. Now, those, those two specific items do kind of pique my interest a little bit. I know you, you were talking to me off air about the, the magnet thing. And, you know, I, I can envision in my head so many different puzzles and like an entire dungeon about how you manipulate the, you know, the metal ball or the metal this or the metal that. Plus, the glider, kind of like we said, g- gives me you know, so many ideas of, oh, I don't want to just like run through the valley and fight the guys all the way up to the door of the temple. I'll just climb up to this mountain over here and glide my way over to this hill, over to this little plateau, and then, oh, hey, I'm right at the door. I don't even have to fight anything on my way. Just, boop, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things that they they wanted you to be able to do. They made it very, very, very important on their list to open the world up, to allow you to explore how you want to explore. They wanted to bring it back to the original Legend of Zelda, where you do what you want to do. We're not telling you how to do anything. We're not showing you the way. And from what I hear, because I I bought the game for the Switch, but I don't have my Switch yet because it's in route. Uh So... So in so, theory, it in sounds theory, really cool and it's fun. This is amazing. But unfortunately, <laughs> I have not been able to touch it yet. Mm-hmm. So sad. It's interesting that they're kind of going back to that very first Zelda style because, you know, the more reviews and stuff you see on the internet, like a lot of the Zeldas, instead of just being like, here, you're in the world, it's kind of like, hey, guy, go and do this thing. And then once you've done that thing, I'll tell you to go do the other thing. And then you have to go to that temple to get this thing and do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it kind of took away the whole just complete open freedom. Do whatever you want. Do the dungeons in any order you want. If you find the power glove first, then 
go move the rock and go in that dungeon and do your thing. So this sounds pretty fun. From all accounts, it got great scores. You can go check it out on Metacritic, and it's rocking out some of the highest scores I've seen on any video game and for a long time, that's for sure. I can't mm. tell you the last time I've seen a game with that kind of score. Yeah, I definitely saw a review roundup a few days ago, and it was just like, hey, this place, 10, 10, 10, 10, 9.5, 9, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 100%, super recommended, got to have it, all that other good stuff. And just a little technicality for everybody. If you buy it on the Wii U because you already own that, well, it's going to be running at a 720p resolution, 30 frames per second. So it's not going to be quite as powerful as its brother on the Switch, which is going to be running at 900p uh, resolution and 30 frames per second. But I don't think that it's going to be so drastic that if you already own the Wii U and don't have that kind of money that your experience is going to be hindered in any real way. But just so you all know, it will be a touch better on the Switch, obviously. Yeah, it definitely seems like it has that kind of like soft graphical style that it doesn't, you know, require too many, you know, this got to be super high res to look good. I'm pretty sure it's going to look good no matter which system you're playing it on. Number two. All right, number two this week, another game that's really near and dear to my heart, Yakuza 0 from Sega. This game came out, it came out a little while ago now. It came out on January 24th, but... I, f I feel this is a game that needs a little bit more buzz behind it because it's, you know, it's part of a really long running series. You know, everybody's seen the Yakuza games out. There's, I think they're up to five in Japan now. But this one's a prequel to the entire rest of the series, so you don't need to know anything about, you know, what's going on to really enjoy this game. There's a lot of Easter eggs and kind of throwbacks to the other games, but it's not, you know, you're going to understand this game from... From Jump Street. This game basically takes you back to the roots of two of the main characters from the series, Kazuma Kiryu, who's been the series mainstay forever, and Goro Majima, who's been kind of the kind of an antagonist slash protagonist, just a really crazy character. And so you get to see their origins, how they started out, how they grow into the characters that if you know the series, you know, the characters you're used to. I pretty much went into this game blind because I've played a little bit of Yakuza 1 and 2, but not a ton. I don't think I beat either one of them. So it was a nice kind of like blank slate. You get to jump in, play around in the Yakuza. It's a blank slate, but if, if you're familiar with the series, there's going to be all sorts of Easter eggs and things and characters whom you're familiar with, which will make the experience all that more enjoyable. Yeah, I think I'm only on like chapter four of the story, and already there's been two or three or four characters where you meet up as Kazuma and you're like, hmm... That guy's going to be something someday, I can tell. And it's like, yeah, I know he's in some other game. It's, But I don't know it. But if you did, you'd be like, ah, it's, it's that Steve who becomes the blah, 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 blah. That's awesome. Da, 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 da. So like you said, lots of Easter eggs. One misconception I do want to break, because I, I've heard the Yakuza series described by everybody, including you, as, oh, it's just a Japanese GTA, because you play a gangster and you probably do bad things. True. I did say that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know kind of yes and no because yakuza are gangsters and i mean you you do play a gangster but you're kind of like a gangster with a heart of gold you know you're you're running into people who are in trouble helping them out and you're running around not like a whole open you know giant city it's kind of a it's a compressed version of like a city district so to me this whole series is more of a spiritual successor to shenmue than anything grand theft auto related because i mean you can go around there's all kinds of side activities, mini-games you can play. This one's set in the 80s, so it's even closer to, you know, Shenmue-type times. You can play Space Harrier. 
You know, you can play all these old Sega games just like you could in Shenmue. Kill a bunch of time on the side, and then when you get into any action, it's a really awesome, just like meaty brawler. Like the the finishing moves you can do on people are just amazing and so satisfying. You'll be cracking up at some, you'll be wincing at other ones, or other ones just be like, damn! can't believe that just happened when i saw you uh post that little gif the other day of him kicking in the door and the dude flying mm-hmm. <laughs> just oh i had me cracking up uh yeah i mean this this whole series is it's serious but it has a lot of really funny moments like the actual story is serious you know it's it's japanese mobsters and politics and all that stuff but the moment-to-moment gameplay is you know you're walking in and you run into a kid on the street who wants a toy from the UFO catcher machine, so you get him a toy, and then it expounds into this other si- whole big side quest, you know, helping him out, helping his family out, and you know, and then you run down the street and you find a bunch of thugs and you beat the crap out of them with like a giant red bicycle that you just picked up off the side of the street. It's super fun. Now, one other negative thing I've heard about the game is, I mean, in this game you can, like I said, go to batting cages, do all these kind of side side missions, side quests side everything and people say oh it's just one of those 100 percent completion games they just put in all this crap just to waste your time and there is a lot of stuff you can do and it does take some time to do it but everything in this game basically gives you completion points even like eating every menu item at a restaurant gives you completion points and you can turn those in at a shrine in town to actually affect your gameplay like enemies will drop more money or enemies will be weaker or you get more money from your side activities, all this other stuff. So you can ignore all that stuff and just play it and have a good time. Or you can invest time in that, invest time in yourself and make your gameplay better. I don't know, I can see why people say that there's too much side stuff to do, but it helps out your moment-to-moment gameplay. So Just keeps you you inside the game, keeps you you in that world. And it benefits you ultimately to Mm -hmm. do all these things. I've been having a blast with this game. This is another one I've I've streamed on twitch.tv slash therealdocfunky, so if you want to see some gameplay of it, see if it's your cup of tea, go ahead, check that out. And other than that, I guess we'll just roll on into number one, right? Oh, yeah, you know it. Number one. And rounding it out, we've got old number one, the Nintendo Switch. As we mentioned earlier in the episode... This was released March 3rd, so it's fresh, hot off the presses. It is Nintendo's new console system replacing the Wii U, which they retired several months ago. And by retired, I mean stop making them. So whatever's out in the world is out in the world. Once they're gone, you're never going to get it. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. No, no, Mr. Matt. No, no. You're not not doing in vogue on me, no. (laughs) This system is one of the first true hybrid consoles that have been released. You know, before this, the PlayStation 4 tried to do it with the Vita, but it just it didn't quite work out. And once again, the Wii U tried to do it with obviously its its little handheld that was tied in as a controller to the uh, actual console, but. You weren't allowed to leave the house. Right. Had all sorts of problems and bugginess, and just didn't work quite right. So, this is the first true console that is going to be able to be taken anywhere on the plane, to work, bookstore doesn't matter. You name it, you can play it on the go. You can take it home and put it in its dock. Speaking of the dock, this whole system is two pieces. 
It's the console, and it's the dock. The main unit, being the console, has the screen attached to it. This screen's an LCD screen which supports resolutions up to 720p. And obviously all the hardware's inside of this. It has the fan systems, everything else, all right there. The Joy-Cons, which are Nintendo's new controllers, are attached on one part on the left, one part on the right. They slide in, and they click, click, and boom. Away you go. You have a portable gaming system. And with that, you're off to the races. The second part is the dock. The dock's what you go ahead and you hook up to your TV, whatever your entertainment system is. As the HDMI output has USB outputs and... When you come home, if you want to put it on the big screen, all you do is you take the console portion, you put it into the dock, slide it in, boom. Within seconds, it appears up on the TV, and then you can undo the Joy-Cons from the console by, once again, click, slide, click, slide, and you can put them either A, straight in your hands and roll, or B, there is a uh, another option which is included in this system, a shell of a controller, which you once again slide left and right, down and two, and away you go. You got yourself a full-on controller. And if you don't like that, Nintendo does offer a third option, which you have to buy separately, a pro controller, which gives you all the uh, luxury of you know your standard big-time controller with all of its bells and whistles. And from what we hear, it's a pretty nice dang controller, but it's going to cost you 70 bucks. And speaking of price... The Nintendo Switch itself is 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get yourself the Switch and you want the Pro Controller, you're looking at 370 And then if you want the extra controller, period, if or if you want another Joy-Con, you're looking at $79.99 to get right. yeah another left and right Joy-Con. So you know the controllers are a little bit pricey, which is something everybody's been talking about. But hey, what do you do? <laughs> you either buy them or you don't. <laughs> Well, now, one thing I do want to say is, you know, the controllers are pricey, but they are basically like mini Wii remotes as well. They've mm-hmm. got the motion sense, the motion track, all that good stuff in them. I mean, each each one, the left and the right ones. So, you know, you are paying for, you know... You're paying for the technology. You're paying for a lot of functionality and technology, yeah. Yes. And not only with those two controllers do they just do the sliding, but if you want to play, say, on the go, and you've got a buddy you want to play with... These controllers, when you slide them out, you can turn them into separate controllers. Mm, so I can exactly. obviously turn mine sideways, click the button, boom, now it becomes player two. And he does, you know, player one does the same, and away you go. You can play some Mario Kart with what was previously just one controller. Yeah, that, that was one thing I definitely did want to mention, how it's, you know, you can play it at home in the dock and have two controllers, two people. But you can also just take the, I mean, the middle is basically just a tablet. Yes. Sit it down, put a kickstand out, and share two controllers to just play on the go with your buddies. So it's not just either it's in a dock or it's just a giant thing in my hands. It's also, you know, its own mobile little system. And what he was saying with that kickstand is, yes, the console portion does have its own kickstand. From all reports, it's meant to break off if, you know, treated poorly. So that way it doesn't actually snap and then you can just reattach it. Once again, my switch isn't in, so I can't verify that that's the case. But I trust, you know, some of the sources we were looking at. Mm-hmm. And to go back just a minute, 720p was the resolution of the console screen, but in its dock, it does have the power to go to 1080p, 60 frames per second. You know, just like any of the other modern consoles these days do. Now, 
I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, well, what's its uh, what's its storage capabilities? Well, well, let me tell you, it's not good. <laughs> the internal storage capacity is not really that great. It's only about 32 gigabytes, right? Correct, 32 gigabytes. Which, compared to the you know 500 gigs we're used to on other consoles, is you know peanuts. But you can, of course, add micro SD cards and the micro SD high capacity cards too. So you can balloon that up to you know any any number of gigabytes you want, all kinds of good stuff. The other complaint that I've heard is that a lot of people are having issues with one of the Joy-Cons dropping its connection, like the other one has a stronger connection than, I think it's the blue one that people talk about having a weaker connection. Which would be your left one. But the reports we've heard on that is that once you know about it, and this is only an issue when you're playing it in the dock and you've got the controllers you know, far away from you that you're holding in your lap or however you're holding it, but all reports on that are that once you know about the issue and know what causes it, it's easy to just, you know, oh, I'm positioning my hand this certain way and it's going to be fine, or I don't sit behind a giant brick wall and try to play the game. Oh, look, and now, now it connects well. Fix the problem yourself. It won't be an issue. But with that being said, the reviews have kind of been a mixed bag all over the board. My take on it, though, is this thing has the potential to play high-end video games, which is something no one's ever done, mm-hmm. you know, at work, you know, wherever you want to be with it. That That by itself has me extremely excited, and I look forward to getting my hands on my Switch and doing just that. Coming in, playing Zelda Breath of the Wild instead of, you know, some... 32-bit game that, you know, on my 3DS or whatever. Wow, gosh, man. I can't tell you how excited I am for that. Really look forward to looking over at you playing an awesome game while I'm standing there working and plotting ways to murder you and take Mm -hmm. your Switch and take your games. Well, good. Good luck. Godspeed. (laughs) Now, another fun thing that I definitely did want to bring up, multiple sources have said that Nintendo on their games have put them in like a special coating, and from one video I saw, they said it's... You know, apparently there's a product that you can put on your nails if you bite your nails a lot that just makes them taste disgusting and bitter and you don't ever want to touch it again. Apparently that's what they've coated their game cartridges in, which, I mean, it does make sense. They say it's basically, I mean, these cartridges are tiny, like SD card, you know, size tiny. And they said it's, you know, to discourage kids from accidentally putting it in their mouths because if they do, just, eh, gross, bleh, spit it out. But I can confirm right now that your cartridge for Super Bomberman R tastes like plastic. I didn't taste anything on it. So it's kind of strange because you did indeed taste it and said it had nothing to it but your usual plastic taste. Mm. But I've seen video after video after video, meme after meme, about how everybody's licking these things and, of course, coming away with their little Sour Patch Kids look on their face and everything else going on. So I must have had a dud or something. I think either that or kind of like we were saying before, maybe it's an option for third-party companies because everyone was licking their, you know, Zelda or their 1-2 Switch or their first-party games. So maybe it's that. Maybe you got a dud. Maybe I'm just a real man and, you know, I lick something. And, oh, look, it doesn't taste great. And I don't have to go, oh, my God, oh, oh, bleh, that's so terrible. Woo! Click, like, and subscribe, guys. We... <laughs> Well, I'm going to assume we won't go that negative because, you know, that's not nice. People are all right, right? I like right? it. I like it. <laughs> you know? So apparently bitters are all over these game cartridges. And speaking of which, the Nintendo Switch is back to the game cartridge. Now, I know what some people think, holy cow, capacity, blah, 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 blah. But hey, let's think of the good in this, which is you put the cartridge in, you push the button to start, 
And you know what happens? You play the game. Uh-huh. There's no loading times. There's no update this and update that. So I'm pretty stoked about it. I do understand the concern and uh, capacity there, but hey. I don't know, Eric. I mean, not, there's nothing I love more than getting a hot new game from the gaming store, running home, ripping off the plastic, smelling that new game smell, putting a disc in my machine, and then waiting four hours to be able to play it. I love that. Yeah, it's four so hours good. if you're lucky. I think yeah. seven's closer to the average. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that's for us normal folk, you know, not for anybody out there with that high-end, super high-end internet and all that good stuff. I don't even know what my internet speed is. It's not good. so there you have it brand new system a lot of people love it a lot of people are saying man not sold where's that leave you i don't know make your own educated opinion and move on from there i can tell you i am sold and i have one in the mail and i believe in this freaking nintendo switch by gods i think for me it's going to come down to games just like it has with both of the last two Nintendo systems. I don't know if it's entirely confirmed or not, or if it's just rumors at this point. But, you know, talking about Persona 5 being on the Switch. No, it's not rumors, it's fact. It is for sure coming. All right, so once that happens and I can play Persona 5 at work in my hot little hands with it just plugged in at my desk, I'm going to get one. So I'm, I'm one of those who is somewhat sold but i need more software because i'm not a big zelda guy i'm not a huge mario guy anymore so i need that third party support to start rolling in then then they can take all my money which honestly has always been their problem but you know what i believe in this system and i believe that since they're kind of incorporating their handheld market into this one they might just get it this time around here's to here's to hoping and crossing my fingers Mm -hmm. imposters wrap up all right, everybody, that was our first episode. It's going to be rough. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be lumps. There's going to be sadness, all sorts of things. But you know what? You can't be successful unless you get punched in the face a few times. That's what my dad always said. Wow. <laughs> That's just the truth, man. So, you know what? Yes, it is not in its final form or iteration. We will keep working on this one just as we did with our original podcast. But we're going to do that. And it's going to be amazing, just like our other podcast is. So, bam. <laughs> That's right. We were having discussions in, even in between the numbers about how to, how to tweak the podcast, how to make it better, how to streamline it. So definitely look forward to the next podcast, which is going to drop in two weeks on Tuesday, the 21st of March. You can check out the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podomatic. We're going to upload to YouTube and Google Play Music as well. So please follow us on any one of those platforms. So like it says in the intro, this podcast is brought to you by us who run Third Shift, which is our Gearbox software podcast and the kind of the umbrella that all of our podcasts are going to live under. So if you have any questions for us or concerns or ways to improve the show or you just want to say hi, you can email those to us at info at thirdshift.me. You can find us all on Twitter at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. If you guys are new to this one, hey, please check us out over on our main podcast, Third Shift Gearbox Software Podcast. And, uh, you know, like, subscribe, opinions, as Matt said, all that good stuff. We just appreciate you guys coming over and giving us a chance. And we look forward to bringing you more awesome news in the near future. Oh, yeah. And with that, Matt, as always, don't Don't forget forget to to save. save.